0: Uh, I'm going to pray. Our loving Father, uh, we uh, ask for your help as we come to your word. We pray that by your spirit you would speak to our hearts. And again and again, please show us the glory and wonder that is your son, Jesus. And we ask this in his precious name. Amen. I want to start by asking you, whose face whose is on that coin? It's not a hard question. Many of us should know. He's placed on the coin, Her Majesty. They're going to change this, uh, this image of Her Majesty. They're going to change it uh, to reflect her more seeing uh, years. Did you see that in the news? Uh, did you think it was flattering? No, I thought it was horrible as well. Uh, but uh, she must have given the okay. Imagine having your face stamped on the currency uh, across the Commonwealth. That would be... Something, wouldn't it? Uh, How did this all start? About 2,000 years ago, or more than 2,000 years ago, the ancient Greeks started this idea of putting images on coins, except for the Greeks, it was the image of their God. Uh, And they put it on their money as an expression of praise to their God. And then a bloke called Alexander the Great, well, he changed the rules and he thought, no, you need the ruler to have his face stamped. And of course, the coins had his face put on the currency and then the Romans followed suit and of course it was a win-win because Caesar was both ruler and God wasn't he and so his moniker got stamped all over the shop and today, today we continue, the commonwealth makes these instruments of trade for us to use in the marketplace do you make them No, you'd be in big trouble if you did, wouldn't you? (laughs) No, you you don't make them. That's interesting. Uh, They contain security measures. So if we had a bank note, um, I I don't have a bank note on me. Maybe you do. Uh, uh, They seem a bit old hat these days, but they have security measures, don't they? The banknote is now made of plastic. It has serial numbers. It has watermarks. It has all sorts of things going on with it. Are you allowed to copy or reproduce them? Put them in the photocopier, maybe? No? Okay. Uh, But there's nothing worse than a dodgy bit of money, is there? Do you remember the old days when um, uh, when money was actual paper and you'd find phone numbers written on the $2 notes? Yeah, nodding. Or um, other shopping lists, maybe? I don't know. Or there's nothing dodgier than getting a coin from another country and you go and put it into the vending machine and the vending machine doesn't like it. Or the note is torn. The dog ear. Or there are other problems, especially with the paper money. What did you do with your paper money that uh, got torn or ripped or disfigured? You could take it to the bank and the bank would give you a new one. They were supposed to give you a crisp, clean, perfectly new uh, note. And so technically, if that's all true, who owns the money? Who owns the money? And the answer is found by whose face is on it. See, what we don't realise, what we so often forget, is that we possess the value of the money. But this instrument of trade, the actual coin itself, belongs to the Commonwealth. It's not yours. It's the Commonwealth that guarantees the currency and guarantees the promise every time you use it. So... I own the promise attached to this coin, well, not the coin. So what you own isn't the metal. It's the promise of what the metal represents. Which brings us to our text that Cynthia read out for us so helpfully. Thank you, Cynthia. Uh, these are the days of Herod the Great. He's introduced, reintroduced the practice of the Jews paying tax to their overlords Herod wants to get in good with the Romans so he says to his people you will pay tax to our overlords and the overlord was Caesar, that's right and so the Jews had to render to Caesar what was Caesar's uh, which is what the text says tribute money had to be paid for every male member 14 years and older, put your hand up if you're a bloke and you're over the age of 14 You had to pay this tribute and interestingly if you're a female and you are over the age of 12 put your hand up, shove hands more than a few of you, good Uh, well you had to pay the tax too and it was one denarius per person. Romans were smart, they got the they just got other Jews to collect this money and so if a Jew was a uh, tax collector uh, they were they had a bad reputation. They were thumbs down in society because they were working for the traitors. All right? And so they were shunned and uh, rejected. Of course, the coins on one side of the coin, if you had a Roman coin on one side, it would read Pontiff Maxim, which is basically shorthand for the emperor is the high priest, the emperor of the Roman religion. And on the other side of the coin, it would say Caesar son of the divine Augustus. Can you see why that would present a problem for a Jewish person? Big problem. Big problem because, firstly, it's a graven image and God's people didn't like graven images. Uh, Secondly, uh, a big problem because not only is it a graven image, it's somebody that's purporting to be God who isn't God. So, double whammy. Double whammy. There's a command about graven images, isn't there? Yeah, don't make a a graven image anywhere of anything in heaven or on earth. And certainly don't bow down to it. So graven images are a problem for us. And God's people should have no part in graven images. But the dilemma for the Jew is the same. Because... They thought it was a problem even to own the coin. We can't even own the coin. Their issue was to whether... second issue was, I have a problem owning it, but do I even want to pay this tribute to Caesar and by paying it, I'm endorsing its claims somehow? Do I want to do that? Because the coin says that Caesar is not only a high priest, he's the son of God. I don't want to have any part in that according to the Jew. And so to the question Jesus is being asked, should they pay tribute to Caesar or should they not? In fact, there were Jewish zealots going around who in fact said, no way, you are not to pay it. It's sacrilegious, it's immoral, it's idolatrous, it's a betrayal to everything we believe. So don't do it. And of course we know what Jesus thinks about money. Matthew 6.24 Jesus says you can't serve both God and money. Luke 16 verse 9 calls money unrighteous money or dirty money. And there are other passages in the Gospels that see money as an obstacle to entering the kingdom of God. Money is a problem. But Jesus isn't going to be like the revolutionaries either. One thing for sure This is an attempted stitch-up. They want to trap him. They want to corner Jesus. And if he says, yes, pay it, well, then the Jews will be upset. And if he says no, well, the Romans are going to be upset. So it seems to be a lose-lose. How will Jesus get out of this? Whatever his answer, you can be sure these guys will use his words against him. And so what does Jesus say? Well, he says, well, have a look at the coin and whose image is on it? Whose inscription? And the answer is Caesar. Caesar's. And so the logic is, they'll give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Render to him what is Caesar's. Give it back to him. I've proved who owns it. Return it to the sender. All right? It's a clever answer. Because in saying return it to sender, Jesus is actually communicating to to the Jewish people, you know, by sending it back, you're refusing to have anything to do with what he's made or minted. You're giving it back to him. It's his. Don't overthink it. And so such a wise, wise answer uh, should satisfy both camps. And so they are amazed. He got out of that one and they're gobsmacked by the wisdom of Jesus but of course there's more for us to think about this morning because Jesus can talk about coins and paying taxes all you like and we've heard a lot about that this morning but he gives us even more to think about see so follow the logic the coin bears whose image? Caesar's and it's returned to whom? Caesar pay tax to Caesar because it belongs to him but more verse 17 here's the punchline render to God what belongs to God see whose image do we bear we bear God's image all of us Genesis 9.6 post fall all of humanity are God's image bearers and because we are God's image bearers Jesus says you've got to give to God what is God's. Certainly, what is true is it means that every single one of us, whether you love God or whether you don't, you belong to Him. That's not negotiable. Everybody completely and utterly belongs to God. We are ruled by Him, He has supreme sovereign power and authority over every human being and i don't know certainly the world doesn't get that i'm not sure how many christians actually get that we give god a little money we give god a bit of time and we please ourselves with the rest we forget we are the only thing in all of creation we are his image bearers that has a relationship like we do with God. We're connected to God like no other creature on the face of the earth. We're like these coins. We are precious, absolutely. We are precious because we all bear God's image. He made us. Therefore, we must give to God whatever he asks for. So the question then is, well, what do I have to give to God? If Jesus says, Render to God what is God's, what does that look like? If you have your Bibles open, I think there's an answer. If you follow your finger down, we're in verse 13, we follow it down, we get to verse 17, give to God what is God's. Then verse 18, the Sadducees, Sadducees try and trap Jesus, that's another thing. But then we go down a little way down to verse 30, Jesus says, and I think here's the answer love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. What is God asking from us? He is asking that we would love him with every part of our being. And as we love him we'll go out and show that same love to those around us. That's what God asks of us, that we would love him above all else. And as we love him above all else, we would go out and show that same love to those around us. With every part, our strength, our mind, our soul and our heart. How are you going with that? How are you going with that? See, it doesn't say, Adam, Adam, render to Adam what is Adam's. It doesn't say, Adam, love yourself with everything you've got. It doesn't say, Adam, whatever makes you happy. Whatever makes you happy, Adam. It doesn't say, Adam, just be true to yourself and just don't hurt anybody. It doesn't say any of that. This is a call to a loving Obedient service to God where we give ourselves to our maker wholeheartedly. It's an invitation for all to serve not money and certainly not Caesar and not oneself but to serve God. But of course, we all know that we're sin-stained image-bearers. We're corrupted by sin. We're supposed to image God's rule. We're supposed to image his presence and love in the world. But of course, we fail. Any love we have that God asks of us, well, it's much easier to love ourselves. But of course, as we heard in a children's talk, not so for Jesus. Jesus patterned God's image perfectly. The one born a baby grew up He showed us what it means to image God perfectly. He loved his Father. He obeyed his Father perfectly. Even till death on a cross, love characterised all of his relationships. And Jesus, he loved and obeyed and knew God in a way nobody else did. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, it says that Jesus is the very image of God. In Hebrews 1.3, it says he's the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Which means that if we are to rightly image God, as we've already heard, we are to pattern ourselves after him. We are to be people that honour Christ through our lives, through our words, through our actions, through our attitude to money, through our attitude to other people, Through our lifestyles, all of it, we are to exalt Jesus. Loving others as he first loved us. Growing in Christ, even. It's a good motto, isn't it? Growing in Christ because we are not our own. We are not our own. We were bought at a price. And that price was the blood of Jesus. Shed for us on a cross. Because of the cross, you were purchased by the blood of Jesus and now you belong to him. Which means, again, we don't set the terms. Jesus sets the terms. He's the one who died and lived. And so we love him and serve him above all else. We have great joy and great freedom now to serve the one who loves us and who first served us. See, maybe this morning you're feeling like you're still a dirty bit of money. Maybe bent the wrong way, dog ear, torn at the edges. Maybe even fraudulent, a copy, a pretender, a fake. And the truth is, we all need to be redeemed. And the way to be redeemed is to come to our Creator. We confess our sin we come to the cross and we there find grace and forgiveness so that one day we and all others in Christ will be presented perfect and will remain forever perfect in Christ. That's the promise. And because God promises it, you can bank your life on it. Amen.